Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. There's two words that catch my attention every single time they come across, whether it's a screen or some, some other way, and those two words are breaking news. Breaking news. When those, things, when that, when those two words show up, I pay attention, because I know something has happened where something is happening, and I need to pay attention. I want to know what's going on. Breaking news. And this, these alerts come in all kinds of forms. They come through text messages or through social media or other ways to my phone or just word of mouth. Those words, breaking news, always catch my attention. They did this past Monday night. Sing, sing, I was probably just reading a book on the couch, and all of a sudden my phone started blowing up and then saw uh, updates about, you know, about Damar Hamlin in terms of cardiac arrest and a friend saying they're doing CPR on him turn on Monday Night Football so I turn on Monday Night Football and and watch what's happening and here it was breaking news right in front of my face and so as I got other text messages from friends and went out on social media and watched the analysis just wondering is this man going to live what's going to happen how's it going to play out it was breaking news we get breaking news from all different places right whether text messages social media it may come to our phones we turn on the TV word of mouth it comes in many different forms. That's the truth here in the 21st century. What was it like in the first century when there was breaking news? When news hit and it was, it was shared, it was done by word of mouth. It's hard to imagine a world without a phone, a world without technology or TV, a world, just a world. But news to spread, as we see that in the gospel accounts of the New Testament, it said with Jesus that the news spread widely. And that news was spread by the sharing of stories, the sharing of accounts, firsthand eyewitness moments, and, and the word just went from one village to the next. And when it comes to Jesus, the breaking new good news of God, those stories went out, those accounts were shared, and eventually they were pulled together into different bodies of work, and they're known as the Gospels, right, a new kind of writing. We see the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and here the accounts of Jesus, his life, his teachings, or his ministry and his mission are pulled together. And we're going to focus on one of those in the months ahead, the Gospel of Mark. If you go to your New Testament and you go to the first book of the New Testament, is the Gospel of Matthew. The second one is the Gospel of Mark. Mark, who in so many ways has is, is always been intriguing to me because as I've studied and, and, and looked at the background of the Gospels, most Bible scholars believe that the Gospel of Mark was the first one written. And for me, when I look, think about that, for me, it, it speaks to raw material. And the Gospel of Mark is clearly raw and in so many ways. It's, it's in your face. It's, it's action-packed. And, and we think about who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Mark never actually identifies himself in the writing. So how do we know it's the Gospel of Mark? Well, church historians and Bible scholars, as they consider and look at who Mark is, that John Mark most likely is the one who pulled together the stories and accounts. John Mark, who traveled Right, with the, we saw in, the, in, the, in Acts with the early Christians, he traveled with these early missionaries. John Mark, who tradition is, and the belief is that John Mark's mom, that the house is where, in the upper room where the disciples gathered for Jesus' last supper, and where they gathered for prayer in the book of Acts. John Mark, who's believed to have traveled with the apostle Peter. Peter, who said it like it, remember, Peter, who always spoke what he thought, and, and he said it like it is. And so in many ways, the Gospel of Mark reflects that type of feel. In many ways for me, maybe it's because I grew up here, the Gospel of Mark for me is, I call it the Jersey Gospel. 
It's the Jersey Gospel. If you really look at it in comparison, what, what, it's Jersey Gospel because it's fast-paced. It's action-packed. The word immediately or at once occurs over 40 times in this gospel. It's because it's from one scene to the next. There's no messing around. There's no hesitation. It, tell it like it is. It's the Jersey gospel. And how much fun is it going to be for me to preach the gospel mark in these months ahead with God bringing me back to Jersey and for you to be here in Jersey. If you're joining us online and you're not from Jersey, you might have to slow down your sound to make sense of what I'm saying because I'm going to talk really fast in the weeks ahead <laughs> because I'm going to my, I'm going to echo and, and mirror the gospel mark. When I preach, I try to mirror the tone and tenor of, of the book that I'm preaching from. Like, so when I'm, eventually when I preach through Galatians, the apostle Paul doesn't start with words of encouragement and, and nice things to say. He says, what's wrong with you, Galatians? So you're going to hear me do that. Did you just wake up? I think I just woke you up. But if I preach through Philippians, it's going to be very encouraging. Oh, my dear Philippians, it's so good to see you, right? So there's different flavors of, as you read through these different passages of Scripture. The gospel of Mark it's action-packed. It's on the move. It's full, it's really full of excitement. And for me, it's like a breaking news story. And it's not just any story. It's the breaking good news of Jesus Christ. It's God's good news that broke into our world and continues to break into our world as we're open and receptive to it. So we're gonna dive right in. And admittedly, this is gonna be fast-paced, especially today. Where I'm gonna try and get your heart rate up today as we get ready for the weeks ahead. And today we're going to look at five news stories that pop out of the initial verses of the Gospel of Mark. And, and so we're going to hit these really quickly, admittedly probably too quickly, because I want to give you a sense of when someone got this letter, right, when someone got this writing, when the Gospel of Mark was circulated and people wanted to know, what about this Jesus? Who is this guy? Did this guy rise from the dead? What does it mean? Why is this significant? This is how it would have shown up. They would have heard it. They would have listened. They would have leaned in and said, wow, wow. This is something worth paying attention to. And so we're going to go through the first 20 verses of chapter 1 today. As a church, we have other ways to go deeper into the content. I've provided a reading plan. I've put in my personal email to you if you're on our email list on Friday. There's copies on the table on the way out. Um, there's additional classes we're having at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 11.15 to go deeper into the mark. Here, we're going to really hit on these news stories and hit them quickly um, as you get a sense of what this news would have hit like and been shared back in the first century. So let's dive right in. Are you ready? Are you awake yet? Let's go. Uh, let's go. I like that. Let's go. Thank you, John Wolak. And John, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Here's the headline to the breaking news, the breaking good news of Jesus Christ. Right away, Mark says, he doesn't warm up. He doesn't try and hide the fact of who Jesus is. He says, right eye says, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Right? Ancient writings typically began with an opening line treating the subject discussed. And that's what we have here. And when it says the word beginning, beginning could speak of a point in time or the origin of something. Here, Mark is more so focusing on the latter. He's saying, what's the origin? What's the source of the good news? The origin and source of the good news is Jesus himself. And it's the fulfillment of God's promises. It's like Mark is saying, now, here we go. This is the good news of Jesus. And we see good news, it means gospel. As I've shared before, it's like a military report back then that would have come in when there was a victory. In other ways, you have gospel or good news would have been like the birth of Caesar Augustus, just a calendar inscription found by archaeologists that say when he was born, it was known as the good news uh, uh, for the world. What's so interesting to me is that in 
in the ancient Greco-Roman world, whenever good news was described, the word gospel was used, it was always in the plural, meaning it was news among many. But in the New Testament, whenever the word good news or gospel is used, it's always in the singular, meaning it's unique. It's the good news. It's the breaking news. It's the breaking good news of God. And that breaking good news of God is Jesus Christ. It's a person. And so here we see his identity. And it's laid out really clear that he is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the promised Savior. And he's the Son of God, speaking to his deity. Right? This is a, a title of exaltation. And you'll see this title, Son of God, that comes to different people in different, different ways throughout the Gospel of Mark. So I invite you in the weeks ahead, look for this. It's like a treasure hunt. At different points when that title, Son of God, comes. It's these key moments of revelation where there's an aha moment of who Jesus is. But here, right in the beginning, Mark says, here's the headline of this news story, the good news of God, is that he is the Son of God. So now let's move on to five news stories. Five of them. We're going to hit them right in a row. The first one, and each of these, speaks to Jesus as the good news of God, the breaking good news of God that broke into our world. The first news story is John the Baptist, the one who baptized, prepared the way. We see that in verses two through eight. We read this, as is written in the Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts with wild honey. Locusts with wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Right, so the new story number one, here's the John the Baptist, the one who baptized, prepared the way. Mark here utilized a couple Old Testament quotes, one from Malachi 3.1, which would talk about a messenger that would be sent ahead to prepare the way for the Messiah. Then from Isaiah 40, the same thing, that there would be one who would prepare the way. And he uses the three words which would make it uh, authoritative. He said, it is written. Right? These were words that are used for legal matters, saying that this is true, this is right, this is real. And so he says, it is written, and he brings these quotes. So what do we see? We see a messenger, a messenger who is sent to prepare the way. Where is he sent? In the wilderness. Who was this? A guy named John, known as John the Baptist, or the one who baptizes. Now, Jewish thought at that time was that God would send Elijah ahead of the Messiah. Or Elijah, the great prophet who was taken up to heaven, who never died, that he would be sent ahead of the Messiah. And here comes John, who dressed like Elijah, talked like Elijah, in many ways was like Elijah. Later, Jesus verified and said that he came and performed that function. That's who John was. He came to proclaim the way. And he proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now the origins of this baptism are not fully known. 
I mean, there was, there was rituals, washing rituals at that time, and they were known. And, and God's people, in many ways, knew that to prepare for God's next big step or next big work required some type of preparation. We see that back in Exodus 19, where God's people washed their clothes, and they purified themselves before God provided the law. And so they knew that they had to prepare themselves for God to start that covenant, the old covenant. Here, John is proclaiming a baptism of preparation, a preparation for the breaking good news of Jesus, a preparation for what was gonna become known as the new covenant that was brought about by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. John prepared the way. That's new story number one. New story number two is actually the actual baptism of Jesus. We see that in verses nine through 11. We read this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Right, here's an account of Jesus' baptism showing again that the breaking good news of God has come. As we look at this event, uh, at that time, the Jewish people would have looked for three specific aspects of when, specific movements or, or, or outcomes of when God's kingdom would come. And we see those three things highlighted here. First, they would have expected heaven opening up. If we go back, to, uh, back in Isaiah 64 where it talks about God renting the heavens or tearing open the heavens, and we see that happening here. And that word to tear open is significant. It speaks to God's work. And whenever you look in the Bible when there's a tearing by God, he's doing something significant. He tore open the Red Sea to make the way for God's people to be liberated out of Egypt. Later in this gospel, we see how God tears the curtain in the temple from top to bottom. Whenever there's a tearing, it speaks to God's action, God's significant work. Here, he tore open heaven. So the Jewish people would have expected when God's kingdom come, when God was on the move, that there would be a tearing of heaven. They also anticipated that there would be an anointing of God's spirit. Because those who were anointed in the Old Testament, prophets and kings in particular, that the, the anointed one, the Messiah, would be anointed by the Spirit of God. And we see that here as the Spirit, like a dove, descended on Jesus. And lastly, there would have been a declaration from heaven, and we see that for Jesus, his identity. What wonderful words from God the Father to Jesus. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Boy, wouldn't every child want to hear that from a parent? Uh, you know, how much, how much healing and restoring would come if every child could hear that from his mom or dad? Hear Jesus in the beginning, his identity as the son of God, hearing these words, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Each of the three aspects that the Jewish people would have anticipated for God's kingdom to break in, the good news to break in, took place at Jesus' baptism. So that's story number two. Story number three then Jesus is sent to face his adversary, verses 12 and 13, where we read this, at once, there's that word, happens over 40 times, uthos in Greek, it means immediately or at once, speaking to Mark's action-packed gospel, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Right, so we look at this third story in terms of Jesus being the breaking good news of God. And if there's good news and if it's of God, that means there's gonna be resistance and there's an adversary. And we see Jesus facing that adversary here. 
The details aren't given in Mark's gospel, but they are given in Matthew and Luke. But what's key is that there is an adversary and there is resistance showing that Jesus is the one who's being resisted by God's adversary. And not just resisted, but that Jesus overcame. And he wasn't alone. It's so interesting how Mark describes Jesus' experience in the wilderness. First, he was in the wilderness for, for 40 days. And that number would have been important because it, Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days before he received the law. Elijah, 40 days traveling day and night to Mount Horeb. So the, the great prophets and the great leaders, Moses and Elijah, the number 40 is important. God's people, 40 years in the wilderness as they were making their way and they were being tested and refined and God's promises coming true. So the number 40 would have been significant. Here's Jesus, 40 days, 40 days in the wilderness being tested. And so interesting, he was with the wild animals. It's only recorded this way in Mark. What's going on there? Bible commentary Jim Edwards notes that most likely that the gospel of Mark would have been really focused on those in Rome and those who were being persecuted, specifically those who were in danger of literally being thrown into the arena with wild animals. And so here would have been almost like a way of saying, I see you. I see you in Rome. I see you. Guess what? Your Savior faced the wild animals, and God brought him through it. His angels attended. You're not alone in what you're facing. Here, Jesus faced an adversary, and whatever adversary that forms, whether it's Satan himself or all that stands against God, here he came through it, showing that the breaking good news of God can overcome anything that stands in its way. That's story number three. Story number four is the start of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. Are you still with me? Right? We're, going Jesus, we're going Jersey style here. We're just banging away here, right? Number four, it's the start of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. And we read this in verse 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Listen to what he said. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Well, see, we came to this region of Galilee, right? Far north of Jerusalem, away from the, the main city. Now, what about Galilee? What about this area? I know I'm focusing a lot on New Jersey today, but I'm not making this up. Years ago, when I wasn't in New Jersey, I opened up a Bible dictionary, and I was reading about Galilee, preparing for a sermon. And I was reading about Galilee. I couldn't help but think of New Jersey. Why do I share that? When you look at Galilee at that time, Galilee was a place of high diversity because of the history and all the different people groups that moved in and out and the types of industry that were there, fishing industry and, and agricultural industry. So it was a diverse, diverse population. It was also an affluent area because of that fishing industry. And because it was affluent, because there was so much money there, the Romans keyed in on this area for taxation. I'm not getting political here. I'm just saying what happened here, that they was affluent. I'm guessing they had high property taxes, but it was the way it was. They were affluent, and the Romans keyed on them for taxation. It was also highly dense population because the, the, there was so much work, so much available. So many people moved into the area, so it was not only a diverse population, but a dense population. Then the part near, this gets interesting, the part near the Sea of Galilee, because it was below sea level and near the sea, was highly fertile. There was a lot of big agricultural industry there. And so instead of the Garden State, you had the Garden Region at that point. Next, you'd have that the, because of where it was located, there was several major routes that, that, that went through there for the Roman Empire. I'm guessing that people down in Jerusalem or other areas would joke with people in Galilee saying, so what exit do you live off of? Right? I mean, so lots of major interstate, like interstate roads. And so the most fascinating one for me is that outsiders, and we see this with Peter later, 
outsiders made fun of people from Galilee because of their strange accent. <laughs> I mean, what's missing here is, I mean, great pizza, bagels, and I'm sure they went down the shore when they went to the Sea of Galilee. I mean, Galilee is Jersey, right? So Jesus goes into Galilee. It's like coming in. I, I share that at the beginning of the sermon series. So as we go through this whole gospel, as he goes through Capernaum, he goes to these different places in Galilee. Just look outside our windows. Just drive through the streets of Jersey. And high, densely, high popu- dense population, diverse population, all that's happening. It's like Jesus went to Jersey here. And that's what he did. And that's where he decided to announce his ministry. It's a significant moment. John was put in prison. Now Jesus goes public. And what does he say? It's, it's the summary's in verse 15. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It's like a press conference almost. And Jesus announces and says, listen, listen to this. The time has come. The word come means to be fulfilled or full. It's like having a cup and filling it with water and it eventually gets to the top. And when it gets to the top, you know the cup is finished. Now that time has come. The point has been reached, Jesus said. What the people have been waiting for, the promises that they've been waiting to be fulfilled, it's come. And the kingdom of God is at hand or has come near. Meaning there's an intersection of God's rule and reign and it's breaking into this world. And it's breaking into this world through Jesus. He says through himself. The kingdom of God has come near. And it calls for a response to repent, to have a change of mind, to reframe how we see the world and to have Jesus as the starting point of how we understand the world, not anything else, to repent and believe, not just in thought, but through actions, showing that we trust and believe at Jesus. It calls for a response. Jesus lays this out um, in what's like an opening press conference here in verse 15. That's when he started his ministry in Galilee. That brings us to the fifth and final news story of the day. And this is where that encounter begins to take place, the calling of his first disciples. Verse 16 through 20, we read this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, there's that word again. Keep an eye on At once, like immediately. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, He called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Here again, we see Jesus, the breaking good news of God. And when this breaking news comes in, it calls for a response. And when it encounters a person, we're going to see that in the weeks ahead, we see that live stories are changed. Here, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, again, a thriving fishing industry. And know how Mark describes it. He says that he, he sees Andrew, I see you. I see you, Owen. He sees, he sees Andrew, he sees Simon and Andrew. That's a powerful word, that Jesus saw them. You ever feel like sometimes that God doesn't see you? You wonder if he notices? When I read that verse for me, it's so encouraging. Jesus is walking along and he saw them. He noticed them. He noticed them. He saw them. And then he calls them. And we see he calls them to follow him. He calls them to take action. I'm going to send you to make you fishers of people. Other translations are, I'm going to make you. And so there's a sense of transformation and there's a process as you follow God's calling in your life that you're made into something new, into something different. He says, I'm going to send you or make you into fishers of people. And we see that they're not only called individually, but they're called to a fellowship. It's not just a me and Jesus walk. It's not an individual venture. 
They're called together. You have Simon. You have Andrew. Eventually you have James and John. You have other disciples. And they all come together and they travel together. There's a calling to a fellowship. All of this is the breaking good news of Jesus Christ. And it's the beginning of the gospel of Mark, the good news of Mark, who, again, I believe got his material from Peter, who told it like it is. It's raw, it's in your face. And it's breaking good news. And we're gonna consider it in the weeks ahead. We had our first glance today. We're not gonna go this fast, this much, every single week. I just want to kind of shock the system today and give you a bunch of new stories out of the gate to give you a taste of what Mark's gospel is all about. He's not messing around. It's fast-paced, it's full of action, and there's encounters with Jesus that shows that the breaking good news of God comes in. And because of that, our lives can't remain the same. So what I want you to remember from the sermon is this, that Jesus is the good news of God that breaks into our lives and rewrites our stories when we encounter him. Uh, remember that today, but remember that in the weeks ahead as we see how these encounters with Jesus, how lives are changed. People who are living hopeless lives, lives without any hope are wondering, can I even continue to exist in this world? We see Jesus coming in, and that breaking good news of God changes their lives. Um, we consider what that means for us today. One thing to do is this, commit to engaging this breaking good news of Jesus Christ in the weeks ahead. Through reading the Gospel of Mark and seeking weekly encounters right, with Jesus through praying, reading, reflecting, and responding. And I want to help you do that. So again, I've put together a reading plan. We're not going to cover every single word in the Gospel of Mark. If we do, I'm going to talk really fast like I did today forever. But we're going to cover most of it. But the reading plan does cover the entire Gospel of Mark. And each week it includes the, the passage for the coming week's sermon, but it includes more. So some copies, uh, paper copies out on the table on the way out, and we'll make that link available on our website, and it was sent out in my personal email to you on Friday. That's a great reading plan. Do it by yourself. Do it with another person or a small group. I invite you to consider that in the weeks ahead. We also have wonderful classes at 9 and 10 o'clock, something called Bible Backroads. This is a funny guy named David Stotts give really good background in terms of the Gospel of Mark, helps bring it to life. I mean, a lot more than the Jersey commentary I gave. It's, it's all over the place there. And then uh, at 11.15, there's a Francis Chan study that goes deeper into the content of Mark as well. We want to help you really study the book of the Bible. We're going from start to finish in the Gospel of Mark. I've had some questions. Hey, are we ever going to go through a book of the Bible? Yes, we are. We're doing it from now to Easter. And we're going to walk Mark's gospel, and it's going to be action-packed, full of all kinds of surprises, because the breaking news of Jesus always surprises us. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the breaking good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for Mark's gospel. Thank you that as he traveled with Peter and heard his teaching and, and pulled this together in that community that was with Mark, that we have that today, that we have access to the breaking good news of Jesus. And so I pray, Lord, as we engage these news stories and these accounts in the weeks ahead, that you would give us either a first encounter or a renewed encounter with Jesus. May we not remain the same. May we look back at the beginning of 2023 as a time, God, where you met us with your breaking good news. Um, we look forward to what you're going to do. We ask this in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus, the one that we've considered today. In his name we pray. Amen.